0: Live around Australia on SEN, welcome to Off The Tee, talking all things golf with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves.
1: Of course he did. Lovely scenes of celebration. He has displayed great skills and great courage out there, remember. This golf course was a real test. Um, It was set up so great, even with the the weather. So to all the superintendent and everyone that helped put it together, thank you so much. The greens were perfect. Golf course was excellent. Thank you. Lastly, I want to thank uh, the RNA for putting together such an incredible championship. Um, I I couldn't be happier to be its champion. And to all the fans, to all the nice words and all the people back home who were rooting me on, I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: And thank you, Brian Harmon. What the 151st Open it was from Royal Liverpool. And what a show we've got in store as we go deep into the review of the 151st Open from Royal Liverpool on Off The Tee. Sam Hargraves, Nick Ahern with you for just the third time. The Open has been won by a left-hander in emphatic fashion. Ranked number 26 in the world. Coming into the tournament, two career PGA wins. The Ricky Ponting look-alike. 36-year-old Brian Harmon from Savannah, Georgia. USA shoots a 4-under-67 day one. A 6-under-65 day two. Tying the 36-hole record at an Open at Holyoke with Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy from 06 and 2014. 2-under-69 day three to head in the final day with a five-shot lead ahead of American Cam Young, who played second to Cam Smith last year and a six-shot lead over John Rahm. A day four, one under 70 to hold them all at bay in the pouring rain to claim a six-shot win. Three million bucks and the time-honoured Claret Jug. And when a lefty wins, this man is up and about. The former world number 16, the only man to beat Tiger Woods twice out of two attempts at match play golf, Nick and Hearn,
2: one of the great lefties in Australian <sighs> golf. Hello, mate. G'day, Sam. As you said, yeah, I'm always up for a left-handed win. I just wish it was me holding the claret (laughs) jug. (laughs) Had my chances. But no, it was, and actually, if you think about it over the weekend, two left-handers won because Ash K. Batia won in the US. So we had two, it was a massive weekend for left-handers. Did you all, uh, on the lefty group chat, uh, (laughs) did you all get together and, and have a chat, head down to the leftorium? Well, Ed I, Flanders' shop. I think I'm a, I'm the ambassador for the National Left Handed Golfers Association. <laughs> so yeah, we should start a group. Chat. You should. The chair. <laughs> um,
0: what? Where do you start with this uh, performance? But this is a guy, Nick, stellar junior career, stellar college career, amateur career, turned pro in 2009. His first PGA win in 2014, which was the John Deere Classic. He finished tied for second to Hideki um, at the U.S. Open in 2017. Uh, sorry. He finished tied for second uh, with Hideki Matsuyama at the 2017 Open behind Brooks Kepka Had a tied for 13 at the 27 PGA. A tied for 12th at the 2021 Masters. Sixth last year at the Open. But this is by far and away his best performance. But what a performance. In, like, it, it put him in the rear view and never, ever
2: let them get close again. Now, the way he closed out uh, his second round in emphatic style, made the eagle on the 18th to take a five-shot lead over Tommy Fleetwood, you thought, Mm. can this guy hang on? But the way he went about it over the weekend was so impressive. He made some early mistakes early on uh, on Saturday, a couple of bogeys in the first four or five holes, but Mm. got those shots back immediately. And then the same thing happened Sunday. You wondered, will the guy crumble? And given the weather that came in, I mean, I love the weather because I was watching the Ashes thinking, you beauty, just keep raining. But for the golf, it obviously wasn't the best conditions. But I, I love the fact that they had all the four seasons really over the four days. They got a bit of wind, a bit of sunshine, a bit of rain. And his start on the Sunday, the final round was a little bit slow again, a couple of bogeys early on. But when he holed a couple of birdie putts on six and seven, it was like, okay, this guy is the real deal and he's come to play. And as he said in one of his post-round interviews, I think he said he didn't want to be uh, hunted. He wanted to be the hunter. So he went out there and grabbed it. But the fact that he had three major winners all nipping
0: at his heels, Jason Day, John Rahm, and Rory McIlroy, there's some big names, literally and metaphorically, um, coming after him. Mm. And the whole tournament, he just
2: looked un. Yeah, he was especially Uh, with the putter that was that was the big thing i mean do you want to
0: give his stat uh, you you want to give it or uh, go on i can if you like (laughs) you give it okay
2: so for the first three days he hadn't missed a putt inside 10 feet he was 44 of 44 that's impressive it it took him uh what was it he was 55 of 55 i think it took him the 13th hole on sunday before he did miss a putt for bogey but then guess what he birdies the next two holes and he uh, maintained his six-shot lead or five-shot lead or whatever it was. But the putting display he put on, yep. you need those putting displays. But you were saying, you know, there's all these players coming at him. As a junior, as a young guy, this guy was the gun. There was him mm. and there was Jordan Spieth, the two guns in American golf. And really, we haven't heard much about Brian Harmon since he turned pro early on. Mm he just didn't never kicked on like the Jordan Speece or the Justin Thomases but the game's always been there in stature he's not that tall he's 5 feet 7 so a c- couple of inches behind Rory I would say doesn't hit the ball enormous distances he's slightly below no. the average I mean 300 yards is the it, average he still gets it out there about 295 or so that's still yeah. pretty long in my book that's for sure but the interesting thing though in the rain and some
0: would say well he had too long bigger lead to come back in the rain but the thing that the pros are talking about was But also the rain really reduces your distance off the tee. So when you don't have as big a distance as the others, the last thing you need is further impediment uh, to that. And you had a guy who in not the same conditions, but in not great conditions either, uh, just went eight under, who's coming after you as well. So Rahm was always a threat because of what he shot uh, on, on day three. But 58 out of 59, the putts inside 10 feet, he only made six bogeys for the week. He led the field in driver accuracy despite, as you say, not being a long hitter. And that's what Tiger did in 06. And he oh, sorry, what Tiger did in 06 was
2: only find one fairway bunker for the four days. I mean he was so accurate. Yeah well Tiger just put took all the fairway bunkers out of play mm. basically whereas Harmon was taking driver a lot and just threading it through uh the bunkers and and out of trouble. He did hit a couple of wayward drives on that final day. He did have an unplayable on the fifth of par five where he made bogey but Overall, it was just a stellar performance and, and the way he went about it, the way he took control, he had a great guy on his bag, a guy called Scott Tway, who uh, is the brother of Bob Tway, who we as Australians would know very well because he held the bunker shot to defeat Greg Norman in 1986 <laughs> at the PGA, but who wants to remember that? Uh, <laughs> but Scott's a great guy. I've, I've known him for a lot of years um, from my time over there and, and he's got a very uh, cool head on his shoulders. He would have been in Brian's ear, I'm mm. sure, most of the way. And then as it turned out, Brian sort of revealed after the tournament uh, about a comment that was made uh, by one of the fans, and we can get into that a little bit later as well. So, Yeah,
0: I've got his response to, to that. Okay. We'll talk
2: about the waggle. Mm. Um,
0: so it's his first pro win since 2018, first PGA win since 2017. Tied 43 at the US Open, but he actually missed the cut at the PGA, at the Masters. He's had three top 10s this year and two other top 20s, but he's missed eight cuts. But it was in recent weeks. So the tied for ninth at the Rocket Mortgage and tied for 12th at the Scottish Open. And this is the first time that you and I have discussed this man this year, despite the fact that he was 26th in the world coming in. He mm. just hasn't, as I said, he missed eight cuts this year, missed two cuts at, um, uh, at Majors. He just was not on our radar, but he is on everybody's radar now. I'll get to where he stands
2: currently, well, it... World and FedEx and all that. He's one of those players that when you look at him and you watch him play, nothing really stands out as being Mm. obviously good. He's just very solid at a lot of different things. He drives the ball well. He was a great iron player. I mean, that final round, you were saying it was wet and how long the golf course played. He had so many three, four, and five irons into greens and to hit those greens and to continually make pars and just even make birdies on some of the toughest holes was so impressive. Uh, As Hugh's pointing out, if you want to have a look at one of his highlights from earlier in his career, he actually
0: recorded two aces in one round. Uh, two holes in one in one round. I, I came across that the other day, but I don't have the exact details. But if you Google it, you'll be able to find it. There's a feat in and of itself. Mm. So we talk about every week that there always seems to be a shot that defines a major win. I, I don't know if 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 there was that shot for him, but one thing that stood out to me on the final day was the par save on three. So he chips out a deep rough to save the par, I thought that was the most crucial moment for him because early on, Ram was—I mean, did you say Ram was? was Ram had put his tee in the ground and he didn't even have the honors. Yeah, he was he chomping, was, wasn't he? Oh, he was like <laughs> Masters Ram when he just almost Alf, out Alfred Brooks. But so he's at a like a bullet a gate, pardon the pun. That would have opened the door. That would have got around. I reckon he's dropped the shot already, and then maybe it gets into his head and everything like that. But I just I just thought that was the most for mine, just as a as, as a punter. I thought that was the most crucial moment of his round Mm. because to drop a shot early, I think, would have opened the door and given, uh, you know, kept the candle flickering for a few. Yeah, well, he just well, made. Did you have? Did you feel, feel there was a moment in his final round? Well,
2: for me, uh, the, the first few holes were playing tough, and yeah. it's the opening few holes. The, the nerves would be there. He made a good par on one, bogey two. So you're right. If he did, does bogey three, there's another drop shot. But he also did bogey the par five of the fifth. So he's two over through five. Yeah. For me, the iron shotter, he hit it at a six, and then to roll that. Yes, yeah, I forgot in. to say that because of the bogey on two, I felt that the the, the, the save yeah. on three was so important. It, well, it was yeah. just to just to sort of hold back a little bit of bleeding there, but. Mm. The, the birdie putty made on six to roll that in for me just sort of thought, it, it, it answered the question really, is mm. he ready to do this? And then he backs it up with another birdie, another bomb on seven. And all of a sudden he's three shot lead. That was probably looking at going either way. He's, he's extended that back out to five. Yeah. He's now
0: ranked 10th in the world, six in the FedEx cup standings, and he's inside the top six in the automatic Ryder cup selection based on the qualification. So what a, what a vault. It, what a what an enormous slingshot catapult, whatever you want to call it, mm. for his career, because he's right in the conversation now when it comes to the, the best players, and that's what a major does. Um, and, and then all that comes with that,
2: um, is pretty substantial. Yeah, I think also at the end after he walked off, you know, the first person to c- congratulate him at the scorers hut was Zach Johnson. That was a very interesting message for me because he would be a great pick for the uh, Ryder Cup team if he doesn't make it They're automatically. Good mates. They are good mates. Yeah. They both live at Sea Island, yeah. uh, which is just in South Carolina there. I know that whole place very well. There's probably about a dozen tour pros that live there. They're all good friends. Yeah. Go hunting together, all that sort of stuff. He's a bow and arrow guy. Uh, he he said,
0: oh, should to go shoot? He goes, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bow hunter. <laughs> so he's going to go bow hunting and drive his new tractor.
2: Yeah, there you go. Um, but, um,
0: he also said too that in this whole time of being quite close friends with Jack Johnson, he's never
2: pushed it no. to be selected. Well, now he has, but he didn't have to say a word, did he? No, he didn't. But it's funny, looking at Zach, looking at Brian, they're very similar to the way they play the game of golf. And you know, Zach's won two majors, just mm. one happens to be at Augusta and one happens to be at St. Andrews. I mean, if you're going to pick two, there are oh, no. two that yeah, you're going to choose. absolutely. And now for Brian <laughs> to get the open, the claret yeah. jug, I'm sure they'll be sharing a few beverages out of it together. Uh, so the waggle was
0: often yeah. discussed and um, he got heckled about that. But he also got heckled by someone saying, you don't have the heart for this. Oh, the Stones, actually. The Stones, sorry, mm. it was the Stones. And this is, was his response, and he spoke about it in his press conference afterwards. Uh, Brian, you um, had that wonderful round on Friday, and then you uh, had a couple of bogeys early on Saturday and again today. Um, you showed some serious resilience. What was going through your mind, particularly today after those two early bogeys? Because like, a lot of men in your situation probably would have capitulated or might have um, shown further weakness throughout your round, but you held firm.
1: After I made the second bogey yesterday, a guy, when I was passing him, he said, "Harmon, you don't have the stones for this. That helped.
0: That was the the motivation?
1: Yeah, that helped a lot. I think he was a... uh, Anyway, that that helped. I mean, it it just helped snap me back in, like, you know, I'm good enough to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go through my process, and the next shot's going to be good.
3: So it was a case of trying to prove any day it was wrong.
1: You know, I'm not gonna give that guy anymore. I shouldn't have given him credit right there. Uh, but I mean yeah, I just just the just the resilience, just knowing I, I knew I was gonna make you know, I, I figured at some point that I was not I was gonna hit bad shots. I mean it just with the weather and the, the scenario, you're gonna hit bad shots. And I knew that the way I responded to that would determine whether I'd be sitting here or not.
0: That's Brian Harmon on the hecklers. There's three tops of athletes, Nick. There's some that get really down after a sled. There's some that it doesn't bother, and there's some that it inspires them, and it certainly seemed to with Brian Harmon. Just quickly, do you have any issue with his waggle? He's never been in the slowest players recorded on the
2: PGA Tour. Do you have any dramas with it? it, There's certainly a lot of them, uh, a lot of waggles, but the good news is they're very fast, so he does get it over with quickly. Yeah. And, And it works for him, obviously. It I does. wouldn't recommend it to all the other golfers out there. Trust me. Uh, if you have anything you wanted to add,
0: 0433981116 off the tee as we go through all the major news coming out of the Open, the one hundred and fifty first. It's all for pin golf equipment, so you can play your best. Brian Harmon gets the win, tied for second. Sepp Straka, Jason Day, Tom Kim, John Rahm. We're going to speak about all those gentlemen next on Off the Tee. You're listening to Off The Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast.
3: You know, I just, it was probably one of the wettest days I've ever played golf in, so I tell you what, um, on my deathbed I'll be praying for days like this. So um...
0: Jason Day just giving us a little bit of perspective on it's not all that bad when you have to play the fourth day of a major in the pouring rain. Um, so thank you for Jason Tate, just helping us get our priorities right. One of four players to finish tied for second, Nick. So we'll start with him. Um, two under 69 on Sunday, start of the day tied for fourth, seven shots back. Um, what did you make of his performance, given that since he had those four top tens in a row and 39th at Augusta, he won the at t missed the next three cuts, including PGA and US Open, been a bit of a roller coaster of a year, but what a performance this was!
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, going into the week, I don't think he was that confident about his game, and he said afterwards he was actually pretty happy. Obviously, mm. I mean, you finished tied second, but that also makes him uh, what was it? The career runner-up? The career second slam? Yeah, that's the ninth right. player to mm. ever do it. Do you, do you reckon you could name the others? <laughs> I could name a couple. I yeah. know, I know, Louis Oosthuizen, Jack Nicholas. I don't think Tiger, because I don't think Tiger really had too many runner-ups. No, Tiger, no. Uh, so in... With
0: Ernie Els? I'll give them... No, I'll give you really? chronologically okay. from him going back to the start. Right. So um, he's the ninth player to do it, five times second at majors. Dustin Johnson, four times. Louis Oosthuizen, five times. Phil's been runner-up 11 times, including six US Opens. Before that, Greg Norman with eight runner-ups. Tom yeah. Watson, seven. Jack Nicklaus, 19 times a right. runner-up. Mm. Arnold Palmer, 10. And Craig Wood was the only player to do it and had that record for 30 years until Palmer did it in 64.
2: Unbelievable, isn't it? Insane. Getting back to Jason Day, uh, it was a great performance in the wet. His short game was stellar as always. His ball striking was a little bit hit and miss, but I I think that was an excellent effort for him. Uh,
0: 21st in the world now, 11th in the FedEx. Um, John Rahm. So you said that why aren't we talking about him last week? We weren't really talking about him after the first two days. The third day, though, 8-under-63 on Saturday. It's his lowest-ever-rounded-a-major, lowest-ever-rounded-a-major at uh, Royal Liverpool. Uh, He just couldn't
2: repeat the dose on Sunday. Yeah, it took him, uh, what did it take him, let's see, uh, 45 holes to get going, really. Mm. (laughs) It was that 6-under on the back, (laughs) 9 on Saturday. All of a sudden, he's in the golf tournament. And when, you mentioned earlier, when he teed it up, Ahead of who was he playing with? I can't remember. But he he teed it up, and it actually wasn't his honour. And the look in his eye, the commentators actually made a comment about it. It was like, well, you wouldn't want to get in his way right now because no. he is fired up. But unfortunately, the weather mm. really dictated another charge like that it was out of the equation, and it was all up to Harmon whether he would come back to everyone. And as we saw, he never did. But uh, you know, for Ram, he picked up uh, the Masters jacket and a second and a major. Mm. That's a very solid year in anyone's book. Still third in the world. I- one thing we didn't do last major was speak about Tom Kim. Equal low round
0: on Sunday, four under. Highest finish in a major. It's his second top 10 in a major this year. Uh, he was top 10 at the Scottish Open too. So he came into the f- tournament in decent form. 21 years of age. Turned pro at 16, as we know. Uh, played President's Cup last year. Um, he's now 17th in the world, 14th in FedEx. It's when naughty for him. This guy, do
2: we, t- do we not do him enough service in, no. in speaking about him <laughs> often enough? He had the breakout party at the President's Cup, that's for yeah. sure. But it was interesting. He, I think he tore something in his ankle, they were saying, he and he was hobbling around. But there was, a bit of con- there was a bit of conjecture. I think when the cameras were around, the crutches were out. But when they weren't, well, uh, he was <laughs> he walking just that. fine. I think I, he likes to play it up. <laughs> he does love to play it up. I watched him walk off a couple of greens. of thought, well, he's not yeah. limping. He looks pretty good to me. But as soon as you make bogey, it's funny how that limp can come into it. Uh, Sepp
0: Straka, two under final days. Well, we were just speaking about him the other week looking for uh, – to shoot under 60 um, mm. that he did. Um, 30 years of age. He's an interesting player, isn't he? Turned pro in the same year as Tom Kim, but as a 23-year-old. Two PGA wins. Won the Honda last year, the John Deere this year. Lost the FedEx St. Jude last year in a playoff to Zalatoris. It's his second top 10 in a major this year as well, after tied for seventh at the PGA. 25th in the world, 15th in FedEx now.
2: Yeah, incredibly streaky player as well. And yeah. I think he'll be a... Well, I think he's qualified now for the Ryder Cup. He might be second or third on one of their points lists. So, but he's a bit hit and miss. He could mm. have a week where he may just disappear, but he could light it up as well. And But of late, his form has just been incredible, and I'm sure he's wanting to carry that into the upcoming FedEx Cup in a couple of weeks. Um,
0: Just quickly, we've, we've got some audio of Cam Smith that we'll play a little bit later. We're going to just change tune for a moment because the announcement about Kingston Heath hosting the 2028... President's Cup is massive, and we uh, got a special guest who's going to join us after this. Was there a couple of other stories uh, that uh, really tickled your fancy? I thought Max Homer, his first major top 10, given that the guy's seventh in the world, the fact that this is his first major top 10 is incredible, and as mm. he said, my record sucks at majors, <laughs> uh, quote, end quote. Yep.
2: Stories from you? Oh, I, I think the the the, the Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick brothers, Alex yeah. and Matt. That was incredible through the week. Uh, Matt said to his parents, look, go and follow, follow Alex because you've followed me for so long. And Alex actually beat him by uh, about four strokes. The other one was Matthew Jordan, the local who lives at Hoylake, still, uh, you know, with his parents. You would have finished... thought Tiger had strode out yeah. the reception he got. It was brilliant, finishing tied for 10th. So that was huge. And also the other one, I think, as a fellow uh, ping-playing Australian, Travis Smyth, what about the hole in one on 17? How yeah. good was that? That'll be a lifetime memory for him. That's pretty special. Um, the Aussies,
0: how they all fared. Um have you got that in front of you? I do, on my yeah. screen just decided um, well, to
2: close. A- apart from Jason Day tied second, we had Cam Smith, who what a way to make the cut. Did you see yeah. that shot on the Friday? That was incredible. Had a, yeah. hit a hit an iron to a about a foot for Eagle. He only needed a birdie, but he thought why not just make it Eagle? Cam. Yep. So him and Adam Scott finished tied for thirty third. Bit of a disappointing week for Scotty there. I really thought he had a chance this week given his ball striking. Minwoo Lee. Had two really good rounds, was tied fourth after Friday, ended up finishing tied for 41st. And his sister, Minji, came out and watched him on the weekend, which was great. And uh, uh, as far as anyone else from in the Southern Hemisphere, it was Ryan Fox tied for 52nd. So uh, all in all, a solid week for the Aussies and especially Jason Day.
0: Uh, also, with the thing to know about Min uh, Wu Lee, 36 holes through each major this year, he's been in the top 10. It's a big stat for him and there's a big future back after this. You're listening to Off the Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might
1: have missed by subscribing to the Off the Tee podcast. It was awesome being back. Um, you know, I would have liked to do. A, I would have liked to have done a better job at defending it, but um, yeah, it just wasn't my week this week. Um, you know, I can't wait to get back in next year and, and give it another crack. It's it's golf that I've I've learned to love so. Um, yeah, can't wait. I think it was it was really nice to come back. Um, you know, it, it kind of sucked handing back the trophy, but it was nice to come back and and play the golf courses again, see the fans again. And, um, yeah, like I said, I can't wait to get back next year. Hopefully I can do a better better job of being up there.
0: So that's Cam Smith, last year's winner of the Open. He won the 150th at St Andrews and finished tied for 33rd, along with Adam Scott uh, at the 151st at Royal Liverpool. So just repeating the top 10. And... Brian Harmon wins uh, by six shots. Sepp Straka, Jason Day, Tom Kim, John Rahm, all tied for second. Uh, Grillo McIlroy tied for sixth. Young Sharma, who had a a fantastic tournament, finished tied for eighth, the Indian Pro. Uh, Jordan, the local. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood as well, who was right up there in contention but ends up in a tie for tenth. Max Homer with his first uh, major top ten. Nick, got a couple of people asking your thoughts. Michael wants to know
2: your view on the bunkers. And a few people asking, what was your view of the course? And the conditions. Mm, Overall, the course was unbelievable, I thought. I mean, condition-wise, as I said earlier, we had all the different variations in the weather, so that always plays an interesting part. It was good to see the wind switch around as well. Uh, I played there in 2006, the one that Tiger won, a completely different golf course because that was brown and and rock hard. Uh, The bunkers. That that was an interesting one because after the first day, they decided to rake them a little bit differently. A few of the players and some people were complaining about how they were playing. They had a very flat bottom in the bunker, so the ball would roll up against the riveted face and you really had nowhere to go. We saw some players doing some amazing contortions to try and get the ball out with legs out here and arms out there. <laughs> um, so what the RNA decided to do was... Rake the sand more up up the face so it covered one or two of the rivets that, that are on the face so that players could then, if they were up against the face, try and get out of them a little easier.
0: Christo Lambrecht, to uh, claim the silver medal we saw because he's about six foot nine and and built like a rake. Mm. One leg, uh, he's like a praying mantis, one leg <laughs> sort of askew at the 90 degrees and one long limb sort of stuck in the middle. So we saw Tony now just hit backwards to get himself a little bit more leverage to try and get out of it. But we saw some extraordinary things going on uh, in bunkers. Um, but congratulations again to Brian Harmon, the champion golfer of the year, hoist the claret jug, uh, had a few pints out of it, which he said he was looking forward to doing, getting home to see his family, to ride his new tractor and to go bow hunting. And uh, I reckon you'll see him um, at the Ryder cup. Cause he's uh, top, he's now third uh, in the automatic qualifying uh, positions uh, we're going to talk more about that in the coming weeks and, and we're getting, there's two tournaments to go until uh, the FedEx. Uh, Justin Thomas is going to play the 3M this week after missing another cut. That's the third cut he's missed at majors this year. He, he says that I'm hitting shots like the number one player in the world. It doesn't make sense, but then I'll make nine on my last half for the to- my last hole for the tournament. He's still 24th in the world. He finishes outside the top 30. He doesn't qualify for those designated events with those $20 million purses automatically.
2: Um, so it's, a, it's an interesting time in his career as well. It certainly is. He's going through, well, obviously one of the lows of his career right now. But he's got a good team around him. He's working yeah. on the right things. As I like the comment, he's hitting some shots like the number one player in the world. So that means there's hope. Yep. Unfortunately, you just got to get rid of the big mistakes, which uh, happens to everyone. Yep.
0: Had an 82 and a, and a 71, but he comes from a family of pros. So um, I'm sure there's no shortage of advice. And he has the <laughs> year of Tiger as well. they a uh, very, very close mates. Can I get you to try and predict when keeping an eye on this all year uh, okay. after the majors is giving and what we have now is the aggregate scores at the 2023 majors for the players who made all four cuts so we've got this the leaderboard if you will okay. off the stick mm-hmm. for all four majors uh, do you reckon you could pick the top 4 the to- well in any order
2: or you want the actual order because that's going to be give tough. me the order give me give me the names that you think would be in the four and see if you can all okay. place them in order well, no pressure no pressure at all it's hard to go past Scotty Scheffler at the top because he's played so well in every tournament and, and the majors he has played pretty... That's wrong? Okay, No, that's right. Oh, that's right. That's, that's Sorry. A, this is if you're wrong. Oh, so, okay. Very good. Scotty right. Scheffler, number one, oh, number uh, by one. the way,
0: at 18 under
2: wow. and hasn't won oh, a major this year. Gosh. Rory McIlroy got to be number two for me. Is that a ding or a... Uh-oh. Oh, it's wrong. Okay. Is he in the top four at least? No. Really? No. Okay. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, Brooks Kepka, I would say. He's in the top four. He's in the top four. Okay. Yes. John Rahm? Okay. Yes. So I've got three out of four. Yes. Who, who's who's the fourth gonna be? Gosh. It's not Minwoo Lee, is it? No, Victor Hovland. Oh, that's oh, how could I go past Victor? What was I thinking? So only eight players
0: finished under the card. Of all four majors off the stick. So Scotty Sheffield, 18 under, Victor Hovland, 16 under, Rahm, 15, Brooks Kepka, 10, Chauvelet, 7, Cantlay, 5 under, Fleetwood, 4 under, Cam Smith, 2 under. And the next best is Hideki Matsuyama, 3 over, Reed 4 over, Hatton, 6 over, and Ryan Fox, 12 over. Oh, yes, of course.
2: I forgot. Actually, I forgot McElroy missed the cut, didn't he, at the Masters? My bad. You did pretty well. You got yeah, three that out of was, the that top okay.
0: four. It's not a bad effort. Well, hey, let's put a pin in that, uh, all our open discussion. There's still plenty more making news, and we will go through all of that. Uh, for pin golf. Pin golf equipment is custom engineered, custom fit, and custom built for you to play your best. If you've got a question you'd like to ask Nick Ahern for his tip of the week for Mizuno Golf, hashtag nothing feels like a Mizuno, you can text in 0433 You can email us email us at off the at But let's change tack here, Nick, because the news a few weeks ago that the 2028 president's cup would be hosted we knew it was coming to australia but we didn't know that it was going to be hosted at kingston heath and the gm of kingston heath uh, one of australia's premier golf courses one of the best in the world as well andrew taylor's been good enough to join us on off the tee andrew hello
3: hi sam hi nick how are
0: you well uh, we're fantastic thank you andrew this must be an incredibly proud moment uh for this phenomenal club and this phenomenal course
3: uh, yeah, we, we were so incredibly excited to uh, to find out that we were the, the preferred host venue and then to sort of secure the event, uh, can't, uh, can't ask for any more than that. It's uh, as big an event as we could ever host, uh, hope to host.
2: Yeah, it certainly is, uh, Andrew. Great to uh, chat with you. As you know, I'm a massive fan of Kingston Heath and played the new Furrows 9 the other day too, so congratulations on that. What a wonderful little par 3 course that is there. But uh, I guess one of the questions I have for yourself is, Uh, going forward I mean what's the workload look like in the next few years we've got 2028 as the President's Cup Uh, do they send someone down here to help with uh, managing everything from the PGA Tour
3: yeah so uh, at this stage uh, uh, still a fair way out obviously but uh, December would probably be a a, a time that they'd be looking to host so December 28 and they'd be having uh, someone will come out and live in in Melbourne pretty close to the pretty close to the club from uh, early 2025 so four-year lead time and uh, and that's sort of what's required for the scale of the event. Um, so there's a, a pretty big ramp up in workload from probably 20, 20, late like 24, 25 onwards.
2: Yeah, that's uh, going to be quite... Uh Quite a bit of uh, organising, I would imagine. Uh, the other thing I was curious about, because match play is a, a unique format and a lot of the times they don't quite finish on the 18th hole, they finish a little earlier. What's what's the routing going to be uh, looking like for Kingston Heath? And if you are a bit of a golf nuffy and know everything uh, for our listeners out there about Kingston Heath, there are a few different options, correct?
3: Yeah, that was one of the more interesting parts of the whole process. Uh, we, we were trying desperately hard to create some elasticity in the golf course because as you know the the match play format uh and and the four ball and foursomes format means there's not a lot of golf balls on the course at certain times of the event so um, trying to stretch the routing so that the fans were not on top of each other was a really key part of our proposal and we came up with a lot of different designs we ended up presenting 10 and uh in the end we actually didn't end up taking any of them we came up with another design on the fly uh but happy, happy to share with you sort of an unconfirmed routing. Uh, it, it may change, but it's, uh, it looks pretty good at the moment. So for those that know Kingston Heath, uh, the seventh hole is a par five. Uh, it may not play a par five for the event, but it's a par five uh, most other days of the week. And that would become the first hole of the event. So you, I'll, I'll go through the Kingston Heath order holes and you can see if you can try and follow me.
2: Yeah, please. You go seven,
3: then you go four, over to five down 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Then you go back the other direction. You go up nine, 10's out of play for the event. Go go to 11, 2, 3, 8, 17, 18, 1, 19, 6. And so to your point, Nick, uh, the, the match play holes where the decider... Uh, may 4, which is sort of around 15, 16, 17 perhaps uh, may end up being the traditional 18th, 1st, 19th and the 6 holes of Kingston E
2: Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that routing. They were all around the clubhouse there, but I, I have to say I love that 10th hole and it's not going to be in there unfortunately, but that, yeah, there's a lot of squeeze in that middle part of the course, isn't there?
3: There is and you know, there might be some really good opportunities also for viewing in that space. Uh, yeah, it, It's got a Right, right where that junction point is, there's a great pitch coming into the third hole, which is sort of an iconic short par four, and there's a great pitch coming into nine, which is another great sort of blind dog leg left par four. Uh, there's a tee shot on four, tee shot on eight, tee shot down 11. So there's some really good vantage points if we can get something up high in that spot, um, which made it an attractive proposition.
0: So we're speaking to Andrew Taylor, who's a GM of Kingston Heath, uh, going to be the host venue for the 2028 uh, President's Cup. We had it at Royal Melbourne in 2019, uh, and there'll be another one uh, after 2028 in the deal that's been done with the Andrews government. There's a few people a little surprised, Andrew, that it was Kingston Heath and not Royal Melbourne again. I'm sure you weren't surprised, but what went into the bid for it and what, did, what criteria did you have to meet and how did it all play out and come about?
3: Yeah, so there were there were three clubs in the run-in, and I, I think uh, I think we we gave ourselves a very very slim chance to be honest. Uh, but you've got to be in it to win it. Uh, I guess the the challenge that we faced against the the other two clubs that were pitching was really around space. So the event requires just such an enormous amount of infrastructure. And uh, I was just reflecting on my notes, um, you know, in, in advance of this conversation, and the the, the TV compound alone requires two acres. Um, and it's just a it's just a really different scale of event to, to try to understand and prepare for. So we spent a lot of time looking at the layout and the options available to try to prepare for how we could host it. And that was going to be our biggest limitation um, compared to a place like Royal Melbourne. It would have been a very easy proposition for the PGA Tour to go back to Royal. It's it's tried and tested, world class layout. Um, they're familiar with the site. Uh, spectators and fans around the world have been to Royal Melbourne before, and, and, and it works. Uh, and they've been an incredible host over many years. Uh, but it, it's great to see for the fans and for the players alike uh, another venue, and and to showcase a different experience. And and I think um, Adam Scott did a wonderful narration um, when it was announced. And and I, mm-hmm. I really like one of the things he said, which was, uh, it's never had a proper you know global introduction, to Kingston Heath, and and this really is uh, an occasion for the the course to shine.
0: Do you know the the line that you gave in your presentation that you feel clinched it?
3: <laughs> oh, I don't think there was one line. It was an incredibly intense um, couple of sessions presenting. Uh, I, I think there was no one, one moment, but I, I guess we threw the kitchen sink at it and some. So I don't think there was one thing, but uh, really, really proud of the effort from many people involved to get it over the line.
0: What can be the, the, the flow on benefits for a golf club to to be able to secure an event like this, Andrew, Um, what, you know, it's an amazing achievement to have it there. It'll, it'll take obviously a bit of sacrifice from the members on getting it set up and, um, but what's the payoff? What's the real win for the club long-term do you think from having an event like this?
3: Uh, oh, look, that's a, it's a hard question to answer. Some in some ways, how, how you measure it, and it's not just Kingston Heath. Um, mm. Kingston Heath and and all clubs locally during the 2019 Presidents Cup benefited really really well from having that kind of traction activity mm. in, uh, locally. And so it's not just our club. It's good for golf. It's good for Melbourne. And It's good for uh, good for the sort of the patronage on courses. Um, but for us personally and our and our club. Getting our uh, our brand and our awareness and our course out there is a huge benefit. Uh, we, we love having visitors and hosting visitors. Uh, it's a fantastic opportunity for us in that sense. So financially, uh, over over many years, creating that visitor uh, income is really really important to the club. Uh, it's it's the the model relies on uh, visitors coming to the club. So. Uh, huge opportunity for that from a brand awareness perspective uh yeah we we have a wonderful golf course that's uh, well well regarded and ranked uh, to try to continue to build on that is important it's a uh, pretty competitive market out there there's a lot of good golf courses so to showcase what we have is uh, is really important and and the exposure that an event like this gives you is really difficult to quantify.
0: Well, having the best players in the world singing your courses, praises uh, will certainly help that no end. And having millions of people around the world laying eyes on it and those who show up uh, en masse. So congratulations again, Andrew. Kingston Heath, I'm sure, will absolutely show up and show out for one of the biggest events in the world. And we can't wait for 2028 when it all takes place. Thanks for being with us and Off The Tee.
3: Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Nick.
0: Thanks, Andrew. Uh, Andrew Taylor, the GM of Kingston Heath, uh, will be the host venue for the 2028 President's Cup. Um, Nick, how how big a deal is that? How, how special
2: is that going to be? That's huge. Uh, for the world to see Kingston Heath in all its glory is going to be something very special and also to get the quality of players that we'll see from the United States and on the International team. It'll be fascinating to see who makes it, and hopefully, plenty of Aussies. Hopefully, plenty of Aussies. Absolutely. Speaking of Aussies, uh,
0: we'll talk more about how they're going around the world in some other events, uh, and a couple of other things making news as well. Before we give Nick gives his tip of the week, uh, and also too the mulligan this week. If you've got a nomination for who really could have used a mulligan this week, 0-4-3-3-9-8-11-16. This is off the tee on SEN. What a- Listening to Off the Tea with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off the Tea podcast. Uh, 0433 or 1300 736 736. If you'd like to give a nomination for the mulligan this week, where each and every week either myself or Nick O'Hearn hand out a mulligan to someone who really could have used one if they had their time again, when they have made a different decision? Uh, played a different shot, Mm. or in the case of mine this week. This is yours this week. A crisis of conscience that could have gone the other way. So I'm going to hand out the mulligan this week to a a, quite a serious one. A a player named Justin Doden, D-O-E-D-E-N. He's a pro from Minnesota, 28 years old. He's playing in the Commissionaries Ottawa Open. Um, And they're still investigating this. He withdrew from the event after playing his second round on Friday, when questions arose regarding his score on the 18th at the Eagle Creek Golf Club um, earlier in the afternoon. I'm taking this from Australian Golf Digest. According to the report from Ryan French at Monday Q Info, a player who competed with uh, Doden. During the round, notice the leaderboard listed Doden with a score of three under for the tournament. That would indicate that after an opening round sixty-eight, that Doden had shot the second round seventy-one. However, that player said he had watched Doden finish and he thought that it was a seventy-three after making a seven on the par-five home hole. So he was questioned. Uh, the officials looked into it, and now this gentleman has, well, this this young man. Has tweeted, "I'm here to confess the biggest mistake I've made in my life to date. I cheated in golf. This is not who I am. I let my sponsors down. I let my competitors down. I let my family down. I let myself down. I pray for your forgiveness." Uh, John one nine. Um, so, the um, it turns out that uh, he made seven on that par five, but mm-hmm. gave himself a uh, uh, he, he made he gave himself a five. Wow, he's got the magic pencil out by the sounds of it. Erased it and replaced it. So I'm not going to – everybody in life has made mistakes, but that is a a more serious mulligan to hand out this week because I think obviously if he had his time
2: over again, he would just write down the seven. Yep. What – that, that is a good mulligan. The other one, actually, I could give this week is maybe that shot that was it last week. Was it Donald Trump uh, shanked one with his chip <laughs> shot? We'll give him a mulligan for that. He probably didn't count the, it anyway. Is that the one that
0: someone recorded without him knowing, and That's then he right. said, "Oh, I still made birdie," or something? Yeah, exactly. I still made par, or <laughs> made birdie, or something like
2: that. Oh, dear. oh the Don. But I digress.
0: Uh, so hopefully, there's a learning to, to, to come out of this. What would drive a pro? I mean, I, we talk all the time about the, the riches, the, the the lifestyles and everything like that, but there is another side to golf given there's so many tournaments, tours, professionals trying to scratch out a living and some, and this person's clearly got to a point yeah. of desperation where they've, they've, you know, I don't know the circumstances, but has been driven
2: to, to commit the ultimate golfing sin. Yeah, and in golf, unfortunately, once you do something like that, you're, you're tarnished for life almost, and people will never forget. There are some instances like that uh, that I know of in in uh, professional. I'm not going to name people or anything like that, but it has happened before and it may happen again, but it's one of those things that is very rare in golf, I will say that.
0: That's the mulligan for this week. Next tip of the week for Mizuno Golf Mizuno Golf find your nearest stockist or fitter at MizunoGolf.com/slash au. Email this week off the tee at com dot a U uh, comes from Daniel. Uh, Daniel's call uh, has emailed us from Port Melbourne. He said, I've watched uh, dear Nick Sam love the show. Watch Brian Harmon with all those waggles. And I wanted to know why a player Mm. would act like that. Before a shot.
2: Yeah. Well, in Brian's case, what he's doing is he's, he's just getting comfortable with the shot at hand. I wouldn't really recommend doing that many Mm. waggles. One thing I'm a big fan of, and this is the tip for the week is, is to move while you're over the ball because it helps relieve tension. You can move your feet. You can move the club head. You can move your hands. Like the waggles are a very good thing. And if you do waggle, I would recommend you look at the target while you're doing it. Don't look down at the ball. So it helps you more to react to the target, which is a big thing. Now, Brian Harmon, he took seven on some cases, nine on others. I counted 11 at one stage. But his last, I'd say, couple of waggles where he did look up at the target were very consistent in the, in the fact that that was the last part of his routine. So if you can build it into your routine, do it that way. But maybe one or two waggles is a good thing, not nine or ten. Next tip of the week for Mizuno
0: Golf. We might spend a bit more time next week talking about pre-shot routine, which mm. we've done a little bit before, but walking through and having a, a dedicated pre-shot routine and the importance of it. Um, we didn't get a chance to speak about Ernie Els, who's whacked the goings-on with the PIF and the PGA, saying that have had it been in his day and his prime. There's no way Jay Monahan has a job. We've got to give a bit more time to that uh, next week. But there's a, a few events coming up this week, Nick, in the 30 seconds we've got on the women's side, another major.
2: Yes, we do. They're at the Evian Championship where uh, six of the Aussies will be competing, most notably Hannah Green and Minji Lee topping the list there. Uh, On the men's side, we have the Senior Open, so the Senior British Open at Royal Porth Call. In a word,
0: Tom Morris reporting that Cam Smith, Adam Scott and Mark Leishman aren't locked into the Australian Open yet. Concerns around the format. Golf Australia have listened, confident they'll play. In a word, are you? Uh, Yes, absolutely. That's it from us. Enjoy Off the tee. We'll speak to you next week.